Hi, I'm Peter Palma, the pastor of Taipei International Church, and I want to thank you for tuning into our podcast today. This program is designed to encourage you, to help you grow in your faith, and draw you closer to Jesus. May God bless you as you listen. Today, I'm sitting down with uh, Steve Dixon, who is a Hillsong State pastor in Queensland, Australia. And I first met Steve at a Hillsong event in Taipei, uh, where he came and, and just shared some leadership tips and uh, gave some teaching for church pastors and leaders in Taipei. And he caught my attention because he said that Taipei was probably one of the most exciting places in the world to be from a, a kingdom perspective. And I just said, oh, man, I got to talk to this guy and find out why he sees that. And uh, we've struck up a, a little bit of a friendship and have seen each other a few times over the last few years. And so, Steve, yeah. I'm, I'm so grateful that you can make time for us. Welcome to the podcast. Yeah, it's always good to see you, Peter. Always good. Usually over there. I'm not sure if we've seen you over this way, but we certainly catch up every year somehow or other. Most of the people listening probably aren't so familiar with Hillsong beyond the music, but what is your role at the church and how did you get connected with Hillsong? Okay, so uh, we moved from Europe to Australia 16 years ago. We're part of a church here in Brisbane, which is kind of the same building that we're in right now. And that went through a leadership change uh, 10 years ago, 11 years ago. We came to Australia because we were working helping church planters and training leaders. Uh, it's a long story that got us here, but um, that's what that was. Brian Houston became the senior pastor of the church here in Brisbane. We were, if you like, the missions pastor. We were planting lots of churches. We were in and out of Asia all the time, like every month. And in his wisdom or whatever, decided that he, he, he believed that uh, Joyce and I would be ideal for coming into the Hillsong world, becoming the senior local leaders. And as this was a transition to Hillsong, he, of course, was the senior pastor. So we got to know him only 11 years ago, personally, and it's been quite a journey ever since. And so you were, you were a bit of an outsider to the Hillsong world when you came in. Yeah. And we're definitely an anomaly. Right. Cause <laughs> we've most, been grafted in. Most of the leadership is homegrown. What yeah. as an outsider coming in to the church, what are some of the things that you look at and just see God at work doing great things? Yeah. Well, firstly, you're correct in saying we are the anomaly because 99.9% of leaders in a Hillsong church have come through, you know, grown up in the church. Uh, so it very rarely has happened what has happened uh, to ourselves. Um, but we'd already had this ministry for however many years, 25, 30 years before even knowing Brian. What I've said to a number of people, and it's absolutely true, I think I've learned more about leadership about belief in church and church growth in the last 10 years than I probably did in the first 25. When I got close enough to kind of just be in the room and, and, and take on board the conversations, not just the preaching and the teaching, but I, I, I just thought it was, I almost felt like I'd come home. Being a church planter, a church planter by definition is almost like a culture setter because you haven't actually got any people. <laughs> if you're a church planter, you're starting from zero. But you've got something in your spirit and something in your heart to grow this and 
see people become believers and then you decide what you want to do with them. And so as a church planter, culture had always been very important for me, church culture. But when I came into the Hillsong world, I recognized that church culture was equally important. It's like right at the forefront of Brian and Bobby's thinking and believing and, and discipling. It's just that the way you go around things church by church is slightly different. Culture needs to be established, but that can look a little bit different. It depends a little bit on the, the, the personality and the gifting, if you like, of the leader. It depends on the, the place and the location and the, the, the culture of the nation or the city or the town or the village you're in. So there's going to be some different affinities that, that have to come out. But what I saw in the Hillsong world was a great, strong, clear culture of leadership. And he's always believed he could get leadership out of anybody. Just leave him long enough with people. There's enough gold in everybody to bring something out and get them serving God. There's a real culture of, of excellence. And don't forget, he'd been a pastor's kid who'd seen his dad not necessarily always treated great, you know, by church boards and people and congregations and all of that sort of thing. He'd, he'd been in churches where it's like, what's the cheapest we can do this for? Cheapest chairs we can buy? That kind of a mentality. And he just saw it a bit different. Oh, why don't we try and do things the best we can rather than the cheapest we can? And just always reach our limits on everything we did. And there was all these cultural things that I stepped into. And I thought, you know what? That just makes perfect sense to me. Some prophets of doom said, Steve, you've been 25 years planting and pastoring churches. You're never going to be able to represent somebody else's vision or church culture. And uh, the reality is everything I saw and everything I heard, I just thought, man, that makes more sense than anything I've ever heard before. I wish I'd have thought of that. Uh, I think I just, I adopted in quite easily. I, I enjoyed it. I've enjoyed the last 10, 11 years now. There's been an ease to it and I, I fit it in and I loved it. And now you can't see the join. Uh-huh. Nobody knows that I'm not from outside of Hillsong because <laughs> we're just part of the whole furniture. You know? <laughs> now, I, you know, as I've listened to Brian Houston, one of the things I hear again and again is, I mean, one, that Jesus is the hope of humanity. I mean, that's, that's on the sign, but also that the church is is how God touches the world. And why why is that? Why does God choose to use the local church to reach people for Jesus? Well, we are the, the body of Christ. Just look at it in another phrase and call the embodiment of Christ. You know, people might walk around streets of Brisbane or Taipei and be clueless as to who Jesus Christ is. But every time that they talk and listen and come into contact with one of his representatives, with one of his sons or daughters, it's possibly for many people their first opportunity to understand who Jesus is based upon who we are. That's quite a responsibility for us. It's quite a responsibility that's been given by Jesus to human beings. I mean, I guess he could do everything on his own and doesn't really need us, you know, just that and make things happen. But he's chosen for us to be the embodiment of who he is, what he stands for, his teaching, his love for humanity. And we become his hands, we become his fingers, we become his lips, we become his mouth, we become his eyes to see and have a generous eye and all of those things. And to me, I've never understood people who kind of put a massive gap between my personal faith and being part of church. You know, I've heard of people who say, well, you don't need to be part of church, you know, if you're a Christian. 
it's a complete misunderstanding of what it means to be a Christian because to be church isn't the building. It's not about going to the services per se on, on, on its own. It is all about being the embodiment of Jesus Christ, who the very first thing he does was got people around him. You know, these disciples, there was, a, there was an ongoing, it wasn't let's just talk on Sunday mornings. It was like 24, just be together with people because this is where you work it all out. And I, I think church, and, and again, by being around Brian for 10 years, it's kind of spurred this on in me even more. I just got faith for church because, of, because I've got faith for Christ. And he's just made the decision that people like Peter Palmer and people like Steve Dixon and other imperfect human beings around the world, we become the embodiment of who he is with to say the things that he says and do it with the same love and the same heart that he has. And I think church is, it, it literally is the hope because humanity in our countries, in our cities, get the chance to see what a real Christian could be like. We're wasting our lives if we're doing some half-baked effort at being an embodiment of Jesus. Let's give it our best shot. Let's, let's do this well and represent him well. But certainly now is, is a time where we want to represent Christ during COVID-19. And you're connected with pastors around the world, especially in, in Europe and places like UK, Spain, Italy. What, what do you see God doing in the hearts of the pastors in those places and in the churches in those places? So one of my responsibilities and joys is to, to remain in contact with many of our uh, young leaders, especially in Europe, because we've spent 25 years leading planting churches there. And, uh, of course, some of the areas I'm involved with are Italy, Spain and the UK. that are three of the countries that are suffering more than anybody within Europe. Um, so talking to them and talking to them about the church situation as well as the COVID situation in those nations. I'm finding the same kind of story anywhere around the world. It would be the same here in Australia, possibly the same with yourself. And it's this, that the situation... It's a massive challenge for everybody. It's a greater challenge for some than others because of the, the depth of the pandemic that, that has taken place in, in some nations. But as it relates to the church, I'm finding that we've got leaders and churches, members, but leaders who either see this as a real problem for the church or a real opportunity for the church. And that's been, for me, one of the biggest divides in these last four, five, six, seven weeks in, in meeting with, talking to so many pastors in, in various nations and contexts. We've made sure here in Australia, in, in our church, that, we've, that we look at every opportunity in this season to be the embodiment of Jesus Christ, to be the body of Christ. So instead of getting upset about we can't meet on a Sunday and we can't do this and we can't do that. It's like, let's just work out what we can do. And then let's aim to excel at everything that we can do. And that's basically been our philosophy. Brian and Bobby taught like that. We all taught like that. We put that into our people. We disciple it. We teach it. We talk online about it. We do, do it however we can. So if it comes to online services, well, don't just do them apologetically. Let's do them and be the best we can. If it comes to serving in the community, let's do the best that we can within the confines that we have. But always looking for the opportunity. And I think that when I talk to our guys in Italy, Spain, they're finding exactly the same. And as long as we can all remain as, a, as one of the churches, the, the, the many churches around, 
But if we can remain as one of the churches that represent the Lord well and seek to excel at every opportunity that's presented to us, I think we'll handle this season as good as we could have. And then, of course, we'll step into a new season. And I reckon we'll carry many of these things into the new season as well. I think opportunities that we found to do things in a different way. You know? Have you found that as well, Peter? Yeah, people I'm, looking at it positively and not so. I think so. I I think it's okay. Hey, this is this is where we're at. But God's God's sovereign. He's good. He's working. He loves people. You know, part of being a, the embodiment to Christ is not just the people outside or our neighbors, but our own family members. And I I think with COVID nineteen and the the social restrictions, we're finding ourselves uh, in close quarters with family members for long stretches of time. And and there's pressures that come from being close to each other. And then just the pressures of living through this time brings stress. How, you know, stress brings out what's in our heart and pressure brings out what's in our heart. How do we love our families in this situation? How, what do you think it looks like to embody Christ as a husband or a wife, as a, a son or daughter? How do we do that in the home? So again, we would see this as an amazing opportunity. So when you've, been, when you've got multiple millions of people across the earth being told, you've got to stay at home. It's like you can't just go wherever you want to go, whenever you want to go. We're never going to get over the pandemic that way. So we've got these millions of people being thrown back into a situation where far more people have spent far more time, let's face it, in their own home. Now, that highlights not only what's in people's hearts, but it highlights how good marriages are. It highlights how good or not so good relationships are, parents with kids or between spouses or whatever. Uh, It highlights how parents get on with kids and vice versa because you're around each other much more. But we've seen that as as an opportunity and said, while we've got extreme cases in the negative, such as domestic family violence, which has also been highlighted in by forcing them to be together even more which is a tough gig but for the majority of human beings it becomes an opportunity becomes a possibility and so we've done a lot of pastoring and a lot of teaching into marriage into relationships into communication into forgiveness into healing into hope for better relationships all that type of thing we've taught about parenting to a greater extent than we were doing even before although that was always done because we're trying to use this time as being something when you get to the end of it, you think, man, we, we moved forward. Our, our marriages are just a bit, a bit better. Our relationships with our kids are just a bit better because we proactively did something to take the opportunity of seeing this as a, possibility, as a, as a positive thing, not as a negative thing. So we're trying to help families be better families at a time when you know circumstances have changed and um that's a big job pastorally we've got a lot of people and and uh, it's a big job but we, we we're getting some great results and some great testimonies from that not everybody's gonna make the best of every opportunity but that's the way we need to lead church until mm. our families come on then this is a great opportunity and then whatever we can do to help our people and to pastor and to serve our people, then obviously we try and do that beyond the walls of who we are as a church community as well. Can you share maybe one or two of the practical ways you've been trying to help fathers during this time to lead their families? Yeah, I think to understand that, you know, 
four or five weeks ago, seven weeks ago, whenever it was that kind of things started to really change in all of our nations, a slightly different date, depending where you're living around the world. But we've said to, to, to dads, why not draw a, a line in the sand? So instead of saying I was brilliant before or I was pretty awful before as a father, why not take this as a new start and a new opportunity? So if you were a great dad before and you loved being a dad and your kids loved you being the dad and all the rest of it, still draw the line and say, these are new circumstances now. How can I improve on this? How can we have better conversations with the kids depending on their age? How can I maximize a little bit more time that I've got now to, to do something with my kids? So, so draw out a line to send. But if, you've, if people have not been great at parenting, and some of us have had the worst kind of examples ourselves as being fatherhood, you know, and that would include my own life. Our fathering hasn't been that great. Line in the sand. Here's an opportunity. We got This is not going to go on for the next 25 years. This is going to be either weeks or months or a year or a year and a bit. It's not going to be our whole lives. So why not take it as a season when a season that you, you, do, you, you do your best to be a better husband, you do your best to be a better dad, you work out the age of your kid, you take it, this, this is where my relationships are, whether they're great or they're not great, but this is the reality. And I'm just going to intentionally, day by day, week by week, just keep trying to improve things by a nudge here and there. Talk a little bit more. Ask better questions. Find things that your kids love to do and try and find a way of getting it to happen for them, hopefully with you. Find some things that you couldn't do before that now you're deciding, I'm just going to give that a, a step forward. And I guess it's the same for anyone, not just fathers, but if we can all just take a few steps forward from where we are, we're using this season well, you know, mm. as an opportunity. Those steps forward, it flows from the heart. Whatever's in our heart is going to flow out. One of the key things or the key thing about following Jesus is getting more of Jesus in our hearts loving him more with our whole heart. For you personally, you've been in ministry for over 30 years. How do you keep your love for Jesus growing? What are, what are some of the habits that, that you have that, to fill your own heart with love for Jesus? In some ways, it sounds a, a, a kind of an obvious answer, but the night I got saved, 1st of December 1974, at 7.28 p.m. in the evening, I've never backslidden. I've never wanted to be average. I've never wanted to be mediocre. I just thought it was so amazing, so fantastic. And I'm thinking, that's just the best thing ever. And so I led somebody to the Lord in my family, a cousin within two hours of, of leaving the church building. And I think I've never stopped since. So I don't actually struggle too much. And that, that, that's not you know, to make anything of myself. It's just the way it is. It's the way I'm wired. I'm, I'm pretty even keeled. I'm not one of these. I'm not a volatile up and down type person so i to be able to pastor and help others joyce is the opposite to me she's chinese malaysian when she's worshiping jesus everybody hears her she's the loudest chinese that you've heard for you know for, for a while um she's full of life she's full of energy but when she's been around people and everyone takes her as being the people person then she just needs to stop then she just needs quiet then she just needs her to be on her own she's got shape now, in our Christian walk, that's been the same with both of us. But I've never really needed to invest into things any extra to kind of keep my fire burning. I'm just, I feel like I have that. 
But Joyce is definitely one who has helped me understand how we're all wired so differently. And for some people, you're right in asking the question that there is definitely a need of when you recognize that something is not going as well as it could, let's say our personal faith, then you just got to make the right choices. So if you want to be a better cook, you've got to get in the kitchen. You've got to read some recipes. You've got to read the book. You've got to practice. You've got to do some stuff. And uh, if you want your faith to be rekindled, you've got to get in the book again. You've got to see something exciting that you want to taste and to be, and, and, and you go for it. And like I say, I don't really have the ups and downs, but I do recognize a number of people. And you just got to find the thing that's going to take you to one step further on. It'd be easy to say, I'll read your Bible more. That's not going to be the thing that every single member of our church is going to do tomorrow just because we told them. But if you say get to know God more, get to know God better, which comes by, why don't you try talking to him a little bit more? Why don't you try opening the book if you can once a day and just reading for 10, 15 minutes, asking God to show you something? you just got to take the one step that takes you further. So I think what I'm trying to say is let's not give these goals that are so big and so distant from some people, just give them the next step that can take them towards a better faith and a more real relationship with Jesus. And that's mm. probably a smarter way of getting them started. As we go through this tough time and as we want to be spending time with Jesus and, and reaching for that next step, I think I've found that revisiting some of the stories where God came through in dark times or when God came through and it seemed impossible uh, can strengthen my faith and can you share a story, you know, from any time in your life that you just experienced God's greatness um, and his goodness and a story that, that you maybe go back to when you need to be reminded of, of God's love and his greatness? Well, I just mentioned there the night I got saved. I can tell you the time because the clock, there were clockwork. The church services back in Manchester, England, back then, you knew it was, nine, it was 90 minutes. And the appeal was like a couple of minutes before the end of the service. Um, I think one thing that showed the faithfulness of God, the thing that I keep going back to is the Bible talks about don't lose your first love. And that's the thing. I don't feel like I've lost it. I feel like I got so enamored with Jesus that first night that I thought, this is it, you know. Uh, but I knew nothing. I'd never opened a Bible. I had no idea of the Bible characters. I'd never heard of a Moses or an Apostle Paul or any of that sort of stuff. So I was clueless. But having just been saved two hours before, I led my cousin to the Lord in his house. How's that work? And all I could do was, I said, mate, I've just become a Christian. It's fantastic. Really? Why is it so fantastic? Church is boring. No, church wasn't boring. Church was ace. It was brilliant. He says, so well, why, why are you all excited about it? I says, because I've just heard the greatest story ever. He says, let me tell you. And all I did was tell him what I'd just heard two hours before and then told him, I says, now sit down on the sofa there because I'm going to pray over you now because they just did that for me and I feel so good. I don't know what the heck I was doing, but I led him to Jesus, right? Now, he has he's been a pastor of a church for years uh-huh. as well as being a missionary in Africa years later. But the faithfulness of God was this, to take somebody like me that was absolutely clueless, like there was, there was, I had no idea about anything in life, and to use me from straight away Within the first two or three years, virtually my whole family, one by one, became believers. And I didn't lead them all personally to the Lord, although like quite a few. And you think, here's this boy from Manchester, England. I'd never been to London. I'd never been that far, three hours drive. 
I'd never been to London, uh, not great education, a family that was a bit of a disaster. The faithfulness of God is he could still use a nobody like me to, to do that. And here I am these years later thinking, how did I go from there to here? where we've had experiences we've been in as many countries as most people on the planet we've planted churches we communicate we teach we preach and when you knew the 15 year old steve dixon i didn't talk i had no friends i didn't want any i was negative i was suppressed i had no personality i mean how you go from one extreme to the other is so i'm always grateful for the faithfulness of god because he it was all his doing those early doors until I learned that I had to do some stuff myself, but it was all he's doing. God is good and he can take anybody from wherever we are. And certainly if we've already got some modicum of relationship with God and faith with God, he can take us from here to as far as you know, he's got plenty of ideas. He's got plenty of creativity. He's got plenty of plans and purposes for every single one of you listening. That's wow. for sure. Wow. Well, we're, we're running out of time, but I have, I have one more question for you. You've yep. you've planted churches uh, across across the world. You work with pastors and church leaders around the world. What uh, trait would you encourage a volunteer to develop in order to increase their kingdom impact? And what are some ways that they could develop that trait? Yeah, I love the story of the guy in the New Testament. It's, I think it's in the Book of Philippians, chapter two. The guy, have you heard of the guy Epaphroditus? Probably yes. one of the worst names in the church, eh? Uh, or in the world, Epaphroditus. But anyway, this guy, the thing that I like about him as a volunteer was he's in a church and the church wanted to send some money and, and a message of love to Paul, who was in prison in Rome, a long way away. So the church, by choosing Epaphroditus, must have chosen him for some reason or other. There's got to be something about him out of all their hundreds, possibly thousands of people. Why Epaphroditus? So I think a good volunteer is honored and respected in the church. Leaders, something about that volunteer that I really like. People in the church respect them, think good people, good person. But here's the other side of that same volunteer. When he gets to Rome, he successfully delivers this money and a message of love. Paul, I'm here because our church in Philippi, we love you, man. We, we, love, we just wanted to make sure you're okay. We've got some money. We can get a doctor to see you. We can get you some food. We can do all that type of thing. And all we know is, we don't know how long he was there, but he looked after Paul. And then Paul, not the church now, but the leader, the apostle, if you like, he says he must have esteemed this guy so much because he says, now's the time, son. You've got to go back to Philippi. But I want you to go back with this and this letter. And that's what the book of Philippians is, of course. He gives Epaphroditus this. And he says, I'm sending you back the messenger. So he was a representative, the messenger from the church he represented, but he also represents his leader and his leaders. And the thing that I think I love seeing in volunteers is it's so good to say, and it's so easy to say, really, well, we just follow Jesus. We just do whatever Jesus wants. And while that is true, there's not a full stop after it. We've also got to be do what, what, what our church needs us to do. We need to do what our leaders need us to do and just get stuck in and, and fit in and be part of a team that builds the church in the city where the Lord's placed us. 
And I think I love looking at volunteers who I think, you know, they represent the church so well. The culture of the church, the vision of the church, you know, the mission of the church, what, what the church is trying to do, they, they embody that. But they also embody the leaders, the, the, the heart, the vision, the, the tone, if you like, even maybe even the language of, of leadership in saying, if this is where we're going, count me in. I'll, I'll help us get there as well. I want to be part of all of this, you know. And I love that about volunteers. And we don't see that in every volunteer and every Christian around the globe. But the more volunteers are like that, the better church is going to be, the better church experience is going to be, and the better we can be as a church, the embodiment of Jesus Christ. Amen. That's a good word. Well, thanks, thanks so much for your time. It was uh, so good Thank to you. hear uh, what you've shared. Personally, I'm really encouraged. I'm sure everybody who listens will be. Well, listen, man, you, me, and everybody listening to this, we get one shot at life. We might as well do it well. And if we're going to be Christians, we may as well be good ones. (laughs) And if we're going to be committed, we may as well be fully committed. And if we've got a heart, we may as well be wholehearted. Hey, so let's just do this thing together. Let's get stuck in. Let's definitely take this season as a season of opportunity, not of, uh, not of obstacles or, or problems. Amen. Well, could you just pray for, uh, pray for everybody who's listening? Lord, we, we even thank you for the season that we're in, not because of the pandemic, not because of illness and loss of life. We don't love any of that. But we thank you for any season that you put before us that shocks and moves us into asking the right questions about life. And I just pray, God, that every listener to this podcast today would be aware that this is an amazing opportunity to ask themselves the right questions of just how much we believe in Jesus Christ. Just what is it that we want to do with our lives? Just what do we want our marriages to be like? What do we want relationships with our spouses to be like and our kids? What do we want our church to look like? And Lord God, as we ask the right questions, would you inspire us and help us by your spirit to come up with the right answers that just enable us to take at least some small steps forward in the right direction. For some people, help them to make massive strides and cause their faith to become so alive again. So may their lives be so impassioned and full of faith for you and for your church. And together, God, I pray that you would lead us into a new season from this one but going into the next one stronger than when we came into it. And I ask for every individual that you would bless them and every household they represent. I pray for Peter and his family and leadership of that church and ask the blessing and the favor of God to be upon it. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to the podcast today. If you were encouraged, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on iTunes or Spotify so others can find our channel. If you have a friend who would be encouraged by this episode, please let them know about it. Share it with them. If you live in the Taipei area and you'd like to join us on a Sunday for service, go to our website, www.taipeichurch.org. And if you're around the world and you'd like to participate in our Sunday service, you can join our live stream on our YouTube channel, Taipei International Church. So whether you live in Taipei, Taiwan, or another nation, may God bless you, may His face shine upon you, and may He give you peace. See you next time.